Hello. The United Kingdom has been rocked by protests in recent weeks against a new film, The Lady of Heaven, which tells the tale of Lady Fatima, the daughter of Islam's prophet Muhammad. But accusations of blasphemy from some Muslim protesters in the UK, as well as reported death threats and other intimidations, have led some movie theatres to cancel showings. Meanwhile, countries such as Iran, Morocco, Pakistan and Egypt have banned the film, accusing it of flagrant falsification of the established facts of Islam or as a sectarian attack. Now, the British government appears to have taken a rather bold stand with ministers criticising the cancellation of screenings as cancel culture. Uh, just a few days ago, one very prominent British imam who served as an Islamophobia advisor to the UK government was fired because of his support for the protesters, uh, those protesters accusing the producers and the writers behind this movie of blasphemy. Now, I'm delighted to be joined by Abdul Malik Shlebak, the producer of Lady of Heaven and chairman at Rafida Foundation, a UK Shia organisation. He is taking a brief pause from the dozens of appearances in mainstream British media, and so I'm really most grateful for his time. I'd especially like to delve into the ideological forces behind the campaign against you and your film, analysis that I think most British media somewhat glossed over. But to start with, tell us about the film, tell us about what, what it's about, and why you think it might have evoked such angry reactions. Well, firstly, thanks for having me on, Sam. I really do appreciate it. I've been a long-time subscriber of uh, the Middle Eastern Forum, and. Uh, you guys do great work, an open platform for different voices to uh, put their opinions forward. So I do uh, thank you for your, your, your hard work. Um, regarding the film, just to jump straight into it. So this is, I mean, The Lady of Heaven, as the title says, it is about the Lady of Heaven. And the Lady of Heaven is Lady Fatima, peace be upon her. She is the daughter of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him and his family. And uh, I mean, if anyone knows anything about Islam, they know that Lady Fatima, peace be upon her, is... Uh, one of the, if not the most beloved figure in Islamic history after the Prophet himself. She is a holy figure. She is a, an icon, a role model for uh, Muslims all across the world. Um, the most holy, pure woman you can imagine. Uh, there's comparisons made to her uh, of Lady Mary, the uh, mother of Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him. And the film, I mean, the goal of the film was to, de to depict her story, to share her story with the world. Uh, her story is, is I mean relatively known in the Muslim world, although I would argue not uh, the particulars uh, or known as it should be. But the Western world really do not know of her story. Um, you know, part of the work for this uh, for this film and also part of my work at the Rafida Foundation uh, over the last five years, we've come to discover that most uh, non-Muslims aren't even aware of the name Fatima. So it's, uh, it's, 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 all, it's at the same time an education project because we do believe Lady Fatima is a, a, a beautiful role model for, for um, not Muslims and non-Muslims. And Sam, the ironic thing with all this is one of the underpinning um, uh, uh, lessons this film teaches is how to oppose radicalism and terrorism. Um, I mean, I don't want to go into all the plots of the film, although it is a historical narrative. Uh, the lady, the heart of the message of the lady is how to stand up to uh, to, to, to bullies and thugs who try to dictate and impose themselves on others. It's hugely ironic for, if we look at what's happened uh, you know, over the course of the past week or so in, in the UK, because uh, the lady in the film is, is, is bombarded by uh, you know, aggression and threats. Um, and uh, you know, they, they even storm her house and, and 
set a place to her house because they are demanding um, for 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 them for this you know these groups at her time to be obeyed, and she doesn't she doesn't give in she doesn't uh, succumb to their uh, request she remains firm on her principles and what her father taught her, and um, and uh, she she loses her life because of that and uh, and then when the film comes out we see these uh, mobs and thugs do the exact same thing as they did to her uh, all that time uh, all that time ago uh, 1400 years um, what is what is the gist of their complaint what what are they claiming this film threatens them with or what are they claiming this film does that is so outrageous well they've thrown a whole slew of things into the mix um, they seem to be updating their arguments every time their previous one gets uh, put down but uh, I mean, you've heard things like the, the prophet is depicted, uh, claims of racism, claims of, claims of falsehood. I mean, I can speak of all these if you give me time today, but to just dump, jump straight into their primary uh, reason, which they've been very open about, is that they are offended. And why are they offended? Because, I mean, let, let's just be honest about it. We, we don't need to beat around the bush. We can speak clearly in clear terms, in simple language. And, and just figure out what's going on here. And the crux of the matter is that the film depicts Abu Bakr and Omar, uh, as well as characters like Aisha. These names are, of course, you know, names that are well known in Islamic history. It depicts them as, uh, as criminals and thugs and, and bullies and, and, to be very frank, radical extremists. Um, this, is, this is the Shia position. This is the historical mainstream Shia. I mean, if you want to call it Ashari, Imami, Jafari, there's many different names uh, used, but it's it's the Shia uh, mainstream narrative. Any academic, or actually, to be very frank, any um, average Joe who has done even the slightest bit of reading on Islam knows that this is the the uh, the, the, the mainstream Shia narrative. So, what's what's the contention here? What's the issue? It's that. Uh, their narrative um, believes that these characters, Abu Bakr and Aisha, as well as others, were the greatest of, of, of people to have lived. They, their claim goes as far to say as uh, to say that these people were the greatest to have lived after the Prophet, uh, from the nation, uh, from the people, of, you know, from the nation of uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, his family. So it, it's a very, uh, you know, quite, there's a huge contrast here in positions. You know, I mean, the exact opposite uh, positions are being held. Um, so, if, if okay, we see we see that we can see that contrast there. So, what they're claiming is because they believe, as I've just explained, what they believe, and because that offends them uh, to, to such a to such a uh, you know such a deep level of offense. Therefore, the Shia side or any other side for that matter, because you should be aware that there are non-Muslim academics from the Western world that have concluded uh, the same as the Shia uh, narrative has concluded based on gener gen general, uh, general unbiased history. So their claim is that because we are offended by these things and um, because it uh, doesn't fall in line with what we believe, therefore we have the right to silence you, bully you, threaten you, threaten you with violence, uh, demand action to be taken against you by the government and for cinemas to ban your film, uh, which is a clearly an artistic expression of the general mainstream Shia narrative of history. And we go even further than that, Sam. We say that, and we did actually do this, we spent a year um, uh, pre-production 
going through history, uh, collecting all sort of historical texts and everything in our history is found. And I say, and that needs to be underlined, everything in our film and history is found in the historical texts of the denomination of Islam that refers to itself as Sunni. Uh, you can refer to Tariq Tabari, you can refer to, uh, you know, uh, Bukhari, Muslim, these sort of classical works that they take from all of what we have in our uh, history is found in that book. So it's not actually a purely Shia narrative here. Okay. So, so the film has been banned, as I mentioned, in quite a few countries, but the one that stands out to most people, I think, who have followed media coverage of this issue is Iran, because much of the media has been painting this as a sectarian thing. And even you have, have, have somewhat pointed out uh, that you're taking the Shia position and, and I think implicitly that a lot of your opponents are Sunni, but it is banned in Iran as well. So what is the reason for Shia, other Shia dissatisfac uh, dissatisfaction with the film? Yeah, I'd love to answer that and I will uh, answer that. If I could just add one point to the previous yeah. line of thought here is that I do want to emphasize this point just because I know I mean, I know, I mean, just so you're right, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from a Sunni background myself, actually. Um, just, I've been Shia maybe five, five or six years or so. Um, and I know the majority of Muslims are decent, rational-minded, fair individuals. And I'm, I, I know for a fact, because I've been speaking to them over the past week, that a lot of them are scratching their heads at the reaction they've seen from prominent figures, uh, like the government advisor, like uh, Dr. Sheikh, uh, like the Muslim Scottish Council, British Scottish, Scottish Council, Oxford uh, Islamic Centre, a lot of general Muslims from all denominations are scratching their head at this bigotry they're seeing of trying to censor and silence one side. And uh, I mean, it's, it's really something uh, shocking, but I'll end here on this specific point. I do want to emphasize this because uh, there is this sort of deep-rooted um, uh, self-entitlement uh, where they feel that uh, they own, I mean, if I had to put it blankly, I was going to say they, they feel like they own the religion of Islam. They, believe, they think they own the world. Uh, it's, 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 it's ludicrous. They have to realize that what, who gave them the authority to dictate uh, which party or which side can express their views in history. The, the offense is equal on both sides, Sam. If I can just emphasize and highlight this point, both beliefs offend each other equally because, you know, in one side, Abu Bakr and Omar are criminals, and the other side, uh, you know, cherish them. But in the flip side, uh, the the one side uh, sees Abu Bakr and Omar as the the killers and murderers of Lady Fatima and the Prophet. So if they go around praising these individuals, Shia find that deeply offensive. Do you see uh, large radical protests from Shia? Do you see us shutting down their films? Do you? And again, I'm not making this a sectarian issue. It isn't actually a Shia Sunni issue. It's a, it's a it's an issue of the fair-minded Muslims versus a very fringe minority radical uh, group of Muslims that are trying to push this kind of bigotry in the Muslim community. So the offense goes both ways. Uh, the, the correct approach going forward is to just sort of be fair about things, allow different parties to express their views openly. And, you know, discussions and debates can happen and will, can, will happen. But uh, coming to your question, um, which I think I remember uh, is regarding the, the Iran ban. I believe. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so that's, uh, I mean, that's, uh, <clears throat> it's a very good question. Um, I try to answer in a concise manner as I can. Uh, firstly, Iran itself is, as far as I'm concerned, specific, uh, it's, it's a political entity, nothing more than that. Um, they, they represent their, their, their politics and 
they are in the game of preserving their authority in the region and expanding their authority in the region. So their banning it has nothing to do with theology if anyone wants to make that claim, because, I mean, people have made the claim, they are currently making the claim and it will bite them back, uh, the claim that this narrative isn't mainstream Shia Islam, that's the most outlandish claim any human can make. Uh, and I'm, uh, I mean, I was gonna say I'm shocked that they're making, but I'm not shocked because they've tried that game for a good while now. Um, so it's nothing theological. I mean, mainstream Shia Islam is there you know, in all the books for you to see. And all the major scholars of today, Ayatollah Sistani, uh, Sheikh Wahid Khorasani, Sayyid Sadiq Shirazi, uh, Sheikh Sanad, etc. The list goes on. They all uh, attest to this in their uh, books and uh, lectures. So it's nothing to do with theology. Iran is a political, in the political game. Uh, I, I should add as well, I mean, <clears throat> there, there are two... There are two possibilities, other than this whole game of politics. You know, Iran, Iran, Iran wants to offend no one in the Middle East in order to acquire as many friends as it can, clearly. But putting that aside, if we look at, look at it a little deeper, there are two possibilities why any Shia may oppose the film. Um, mind you, as far as I've seen, there's been a few Shia clerics that have stood against the film. They've done some sort of uh, unity peace treaty, I don't know what it was. Uh, people should be aware that <laughs> there are there are, there are hundreds, if not thousands of new imams graduating every year from the Middle East. Half of them get shipped over here. In this day and age, you can get, you can get uh, any group of imams to say anything you like. Uh, it's, it's all open, uh, open water there. But uh, there's two possibilities uh, why there may be a Shia who stands against this. The, the, the majority, if there are a majority, which there isn't, but the, the ones who you may see are, are firstly very scared. This is, this is one thing I want people to take away. The Shia are in a deep state of fear at the moment. A Shia genocide is a real thing. Uh, this, what, what you've seen, Sam, unfold over the past week uh, by prominent mainstream um, uh, public figures and, and clerics, uh, many of them now online are giving lectures. If you go around and see the, the amount of bigotry we're seeing online, what you've seen over the last week is the tip of the iceberg of what the Shia are suffering from behind the scenes. I, I tell you, Sam, as I said to you, I'm, I'm from a Sunni background. I've been a Shia for maybe five, six years. So I've come into this from that, from an outside perspective. And I've uh, discovered the, the, the fear, the constant fear that Shia live in is something I believe no one has truly caught on to because the Shia have generally been quietists and, and holding this sort of to themselves. So that's one side of the story, why you, why you may potentially see some Shia stand up against it. The other potential is uh, the, the well-known Betri sect. So there is a sect referred to as Betriya. Uh, Sheikh Al-Habib has given uh, many lectures on this. And sorry, uh, just to clarify for the, for the viewers, uh, Sheikh uh, Habib is who exactly? The writer of the film, Sheikh Yasser Al-Habib. Yes, he's a cleric. He's uh, he's the re religious uh, the uh, um, religious guide and uh, spiritual father of the Mahdi Servants Union, and he's he's the writer of the Lady of Heaven. Uh, so this, this and, and sorry to to interrupt, but this then so this is a a Shia movement separate from the Iranian regime, independent of other Shia uh, religious figures. Um, is it it's a closed group based in London? Is that, is that correct? Um, I mean. As far as I believe, and as far as I can, and as far as I've seen, uh, and I think any anyone who knows anything about Shia heritage, Sheikh Yasser Habib represents mainstream Shia Islam. This is the truth. And 
I will come to this point, Sam, to elaborate on that. It's it's a crucial point about who Sheikh Yasser Habib is, because you know it's very well known, uh, and they're doing it currently as we speak, trying to uh, brand him as a hate preacher and, a, and some type of fringe Shia speaker. Uh, absolutely incorrect, and I, I'll, I'll address that, Sam. Uh, I do apologize. I, I just want to wrap up the point about the Betri sect, uh, and because it is quite important, because there are some people claiming to be Shia. Uh, and and even coming out like you know uh, Khamenei from the Iranian regime, uh, regime saying that we don't believe in this or we can't say this or we can't do that or we can't do this, and uh, this Betri sect is doesn't represent the mainstream traditional orthodox uh, main body of Shia Islam. It just doesn't. Uh, really, really, it doesn't. And to go into in more depth there, I think I wouldn't be able to to to, to do in the time we have today. Uh, and then jumping back to your question again. Uh, with Sheikh Yasser al-Habib. So a very important point because they are trying to label him as a hate preacher. They are trying to, I mean, they've done this for a long time. And I'm so sorry to interrupt one more time, but when you say they are trying to label Sheikh Habib, the writer of the film, as a hate preacher, you're referring to Islamists, these radicals in both the protesters in the UK and foreign regimes like Iran? Is that what you mean by, by they? Yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. They're doing it, uh, they are doing it now in, uh, meaning the, these radical protesters uh, who are pushing propaganda online. <clears throat> um, and yeah, and uh, regimes like Iran, etc. So they've done this for a while. Uh, anyone who's followed this, uh, you know, this, uh, this scene and, and things have been going on, Sheikh Habib has come out a few decades ago um with the same stances that he has today the reason sam this is something very important uh, this is what i discovered coming into the shia world five six years ago because i didn't have any bias so I, I didn't i didn't know who sheikh Lahabi was when i first started looking into this history but i did slowly discover this uh, there is one reason and one reason only that they are labeling the hate preacher there isn't a second reason they will bring second third fourth reasons but they're all uh, um, side side issues. There is one issue, and that is because he is a man of criticism. I.e., I mean, he he provides healthy doses of criticism, injecting it right into the Muslim community. The Muslim community, unfortunately, is very averse to criticism. Uh, very, uh, very. Um, uh, un <laughs> they don't have much uh, tolerance for. Uh, criticism from internal parties of Islam and especially not from external parties. I think this isn't any, this isn't a secret. Sheikh Al-Habib opposes this. I mean, if you go to his website, alhabib.org, at the very top, the landing page, you'll find a quote from him which says, Shia Islam is uh, an ally of criticism and an enemy of indoctrination. And this is what we've learned from Prophet Muhammad and from his holy family, peace be upon them. Criticism is, the fun is a fundamental thing. It's our guide. It's uh, we 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 want criticism. Uh, we we like we love criticism. We need criticism. Without criticism, we can't maneuver through into the future to correct our wrongs and ills. You know, as as perfect as the religion of Islam is, according to all parties of of, of Islam, uh, the fact of the matter is the Prophet isn't with us. We are trying to interpret what we understand from the Prophet. If you can lock on to the Prophet's teachings as they truly are, you will um, move towards perfection but you cannot so, do so can I, can I ask um the as we've discussed a lot of these protesters are not just unhappy they are threatening 
Um, and they are tied to groups that I think many uh, uh, counter-extremism analysts and many in government would refer to as Islamist. Um, do you, and does, does this, is this film and is uh, Sheikh Habib, do you see yourselves as, as reformists, as people fighting back against Islamists who have hijacked Islam in the West? Do you, do you perceive late, the Lady of Heaven as a, as a reformist work? I, mean, I, I, don't, I never like to use the word reformists. Uh, I believe we are, uh, well, our, our general personal beliefs is that we are trying to uh, lock on to real orthodox Islam that came by the Prophet. And there's been a lot of deviation from that. Again, you know, we respect people's opinions and the, the complexities within the Muslim world. Everyone has a right to their views and everyone has a right to argue for their views. And we encourage discussion and debate. Uh, but from our side, our belief obviously is what we stand for is the, the original teachings of the Prophet and his family, peace be upon him, uh, peace be upon him and his family. Um, but uh, I mean, the, the key thing here, because I mean, Sheikh Habib, me speaking about him being a critic, uh, again, it's, it's, uh, it's a few decades ago he came out harshly criticizing Abu Bakr and Omar and Aisha. And that uh, caused an explosion of this kind of uh, rhetoric against him from these groups that I've just mentioned, labeling him as a hate preacher. Uh, and the same thing's happening today. So if you, if you really pay attention, Sam, you'll see that they say, this film is hate because it's made by a hate preacher. And then you ask, why is he a hate preacher? And it's because he, because of what he done a couple of decades ago and has been doing for the past two decades, which is the same as the, what's he, what he's doing with this film, which is simply depicting and, and portraying the Shia narrative. So it's a circular argument here. They don't have actually anything on him. Uh, what it is, Sam, if we remove all these additions and, and, uh, and, and, and frail arguments that they lay on top, when we come back down to the core, it's that they are demanding and bullying Sheikh Al-Habib and others like him to remain silent about their beliefs. Otherwise, we are going to do a huge smear campaign against you. Uh, you know, cancel culture. That's all it is. It has been nothing else other than that. Sheikh Al-Habib hasn't called for any violence. He doesn't call for any sort of uh, forcing religion upon anyone uh, within this country, within other groups of, of Islam. None of that at all. I mean, funny thing, Sam is recently in these past uh, few days, they've been, I mean, these, these, for as far as I can see, the group of protesters are spreading video online of Sheikh Al-Habib where they, they mistranslate it and try to claim that he calls for violence again against the uh, other sects of Islam. And I went back to that video and I'd done a bit of digging. Uh, firstly, they mistranslated the video. And then when I actually found the, the original video, it's, it's quite hilarious. Sheikh Al-Habib was uh, calling for uh, uh, people to fight back against I mean, this was this video was just before uh, or sometime before the ISIS occupation of Iraq. And at that time, they were they were bombing holy shrines. They were sort of doing all sorts of grievous things across Iraq. He was one of the first people calling people to fight back against them. And as and one of the key solutions to the problem is to shut down their radical mosques, because that's where they'd be radicalizing people and, and propelling. And, and soon after ISIS was born and and they're using this against the sheikh. And I asked them. Well, no, no wonder you're against this. I mean, are, are you in line with these radicals? Uh, everything they do is it, it, it goes back. It, it the back. Very interesting. Now, the the protesters in the UK, my colleagues in the Middle East Forum, were looking into some of their affiliations and their links, and we we noticed a lot of them seem to come from two Sunni South Asian sects. 
the Deobandis and the Barelwis, very important within British Islam. Uh, they control between them a clear majority of British mosques. Now, do you think their outrage and their protests against you and threats against you, is that organic? Uh, or do you think they're taking a cue from a foreign regime, uh, perhaps the, the bans that have already been put in place against the film? And I ask that because it's difficult not to think back a little to the Salman Rushdie uh, affair uh, with foreign regimes inciting Western Muslims to act. Uh, is that the case here or is British anger among these radical uh, voices protesting a film or is that, is that more organic? What, what do you think? What is your take? Yeah, I mean, I don't, again, I don't want to label all the Obandis. I'm sure there are group, subgroups from, from within them that are you know, tolerant people, but the harsh reality is that uh, the Taliban are the Obandis, and that tells you sort of everything you need to know about their level of tolerance uh, from what they perhaps learn from, from their teachings. And it comes back to the Lady of Heaven, Sam. Uh, I, I've used this term, the radical rabbit hole. Um, and, and my claim is that this radical rabbit hole is a lot deeper than the British public or the wider world uh, know, especially the Western world, um, because we're seeing intense bigotry from some of the biggest Muslim names across the UK. Uh, this bigotry is a real thing. It's, it's fast. I mean, I, I always stand by this belief, Sam, and I, and I hope not to be proven wrong, and I believe I won't, which is the majority of Muslims are rational, fair people. But intermingled amongst them, especially amongst their, a lot of their figures, uh, le uh, leading figures, is this intense bigotry. And when I say this radical rabbit hole is deeper than we know, I mean, Sam, that uh, this, rabbit, this radical rabbit hole goes as deep uh, uh, as Abu Bakr and Omar. I mean, this message, it's, it's a very important message. Uh, it is, historically speaking, Abu Bakr and Omar who initiated this type of uh, 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 thinking. Uh, we, we always claim, and I'll... I'll, so, I'll can, I ask, can I ask them, based on that, it, without meaning to put words in your mouth, because it's a sectarian question, is this primarily a Sunni Islamist problem, uh, or do you also have these concerns within Shia Islam as well? So again, I always shy away from taking that approach because uh, the last thing anyone needs is, is any sort of sectarian uh, uh, feelings, uh, you know, amongst the Muslims. So, uh, you know, I always say that, I always say, I did say today, and I repeat that the majority of Muslims have nothing to do with, with all this nonsense, but it is a historical reality that we have to look at. So when I say Abu Bakr and Omar uh, are the origins of, of groups like ISIS, that has nothing to do with the general population that refer to themselves as Sunni. Uh, the majority of the population that refer to themselves as Sunni may tell you I you know, cherish Abu Bakr and Omar, but they don't know the first thing about history. They're just a community of people that were born into a certain religion. It has nothing to do with the people that exist today. It's, it's a historical reading, trying to figure out uh, uh, where, where this radicalism uh, comes from. Uh, and traditionally speaking, uh, Shia Islam, as well as I, I believe general history tells us it comes from Abu Bakr and Omar. So you, could you ask me, is it organic? Uh, this type of bigotry we see. I mean, it depends specifically what you mean by that, but it is something embedded in uh, something that's been inherited through history. Most Muslims don't know uh, where to begin in, in order to be able to pinpoint it. I think the Western world is is lagging very far behind in being able to tackle this. Sheikh Al-Habib has famously been campaigning and, and saying that radicalization and terrorism is a uh, issue of software, not hardware. 
you know, fighting them, uh, uh, you know, fighting these groups is going to solve the issue very minimally. It needs to be solved ideologically. And the, the very first step to solve this, doesn't matter who ends up being right or wrong, Sam. Uh, what matters is this step needs to be taken, which is a frank, open, honest discussion about Islamic history. How far back does this radical rabbit hole go? Our claim is it goes back to the very day they murdered Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon his family, or they murdered Lady Fatima, peace be upon her. From there, everything spun out of control. If we disagree, let's uh, let's enter into healthy discussions and debates. But Sam, how can we, if there's one side, uh, shutting the door for this discussion to even take place? I see. Now, the government, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, just recently fired its Islamophobia advisor. Uh, uh, who had, I think, endorsed the cries of blasphemy directed against you by these protesters. Do you feel the government, the British government, has your back? Do you feel it's, 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 it's as shocked as you are by this, this, this violence, by this upset, and is, is, is on your side? Is that your, your sense? I think, uh, Sam, it's quite obvious that the government, the British public, the, I mean, any fair and rational person is on our side and these sentiments have been all across the internet now uh, it's, it's clear as day for anyone to see um, and that was expected i mean we're not saying anything other than uh, you know let's stick by our principles and values of freedom of speech let's discuss islamic history openly no side gets to bully the other side to enforce their positions on anyone else and uh, and, and that's all it is sam uh, and I, I i really i mean i really I mean, it's hats off to the British, uh, to the government of the United Kingdom for uh, sacking uh, um, their their advisor on Islamophobia because it's absolutely disastrous, disastrous. I mean, Sam, we're talking about protests where they were holding up uh, heroes of ISIS, uh, they were chanting "Infidel Shia, Infidel Shia," they were chanting very clearly uh, uh, "Death to Yasser al-Habib, Death to Yasser al-Habib," who's the writer of the film. Uh, and and these the ones leading the protests were at times I see them passing I mean holding out the mic once they when they chant these very words I've just said holding the mic out to them and then you have uh, pro Taliban organizations like Five Pillars which is an official regulated news outlet must supposedly Muslim news outlet in this country uh, backing these supporters also uh, it, it's all it's all just disaster on top of disaster Sam okay and. Lastly, I mentioned the Salman Rushdie affair. Um, no one has has had any physical harm yet, thank, thank God. But do you fear that this scandal, this, this anger, could could go on for years, like the Salman Rushdie affair? That this could be uh, something you'll need to be worrying about in five years, ten years from from now? Or do you think this is a short-lived explosion uh, from a few uh, angry Islamist youth? So um, it has been it has already been going on for years. It's been going on for decades, generations, centuries. Uh, Sam, Shia genocide is a real thing. Really, it's it's one of the great horrors of of, of, of recent times and of history. And it's something that we haven't picked on yet, picked on um, uh, or picked up uh, in the West and in, in just in popular tradition. It's something very important. I, it comes to mind. I don't know if you know the name Sheikh Hassan Shihata. He was a prominent scholar in Egypt, uh, very well known for his uh, st uh, studies and, and, and lessons on, on the Holy Quran. And he, uh, he converted to Shia Islam. Uh, his story was, was all over the news. And what was he doing at the time, Sam, after converting? 
He was doing the exact same thing Sheikh Al-Habib was doing. Uh, there's actually a video online where Sheikh Hassan Shahata calls in to one of Sheikh Al-Habib's live shows and he starts, Sheikh Hassan Shahata starts thanking the Sheikh for his work, for speaking about these important matters. Sheikh Hassan Shahata done exactly the same thing as Sheikh Al-Habib done. And what happened to Sheikh Hassan Shahata? I mean, ask any Shia, they, they'll tell you. And it was all over the news, actually. Uh, because he was speaking openly about this history, he was criticizing Abu Bakr and Omar and what they've done and why he holds the views he does. He was, uh, he was, he, he was, a mob uh, approached his house, a large, large, large mob. I, I mean, go see the videos, it's crowds, you can't even see it where they end. Uh, and they came and they pulled, dragged him out of his house. They dragged his uh, companions out of his house. They dragged him across the street. They were beating him and he was all bloody and bruised. Then he was murdered. He was killed. And why was he killed, Sam? He was killed because he was a Shia expressing his views about history. And that is a, is a, he's for us a symbol and icon of our time, because that story, again, like what we see in the last week, is a small, tiny, tiny tip of the iceberg of what the Shia are dealing with behind the scenes. Uh, so that is really what's going on here. And if you'd like, allow me to add one more thing, Sam, uh, to this whole discussion debate. I am hearing some voices say, I mean, all those I've been debating on, on the news recently, as well as others I'm discussing with uh, offline. They're saying, and, and, and people I'm speaking to who are who I do not class as radical, I do not class as extremists, I class them as rational people. They're saying perhaps, I mean, this, this is not a majority viewpoint, it's, it's, it's a minority viewpoint, but it's important to address it because people can fall into this mistake. It's one of their primary bully tactics that they apply uh, to get everyone to fall in line, which is they'll say, and Dr. Sheikh was saying this uh, from Oxford Islamic um, Center on, on GB News the other night. He was saying that we have to be silent about these things or there will be violence. Now, now the people saying this, I'm not, go, are not, I'm not worried about them committing violence. They're, and they're not saying that. They're saying there's this group and they will commit violence. So don't speak about this. I think this is the easiest way to guarantee that we will never solve this issue. And we will never solve the issue of radicalization uh, globally ever. I think it's the most dangerous thing. Because if we fall in line with that thinking, I mean, first of all, we're mimicking the exact sentiments of these radicals. We're saying the exact same words as them. It's just, instead of us doing violence, we're saying, be careful, they will do violence, so keep quiet. That's the first problem. The second problem is we cannot uh, go around playing whack-a-mole with every group that speaks about any specific topic that they believe in, that the radicals disagree with, in order to protect ourselves from the radicals. That would be a preposterous way to live life. That would be a preposterous future. I mean, if we went down that road, goodbye Britain, <laughs> goodbye to our British values, goodbye to any type of democracy, goodbye to everything. Yes, if we want I to think, think, absolutely. And there, clearly there are valuable lessons for Western policymakers with your words yeah, 100%. there as, as well. Now, thank you so much for your time. We have gone a bit over, but it's been fascinating to hear from you. Uh, for those uh, Americans in our audience, which is most of them, who want to see your film, um, how do they do so? Uh, visit ladyofheaven.com. All the info there is always updated. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, we're now trying to push the film into other regions and VOD. So hopefully you'll see that soon. And uh, yeah, ladyofheaven.com. Everything you need is there. Okay. Well, uh, uh, Abdul Malik, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, to our audience, uh, you can 
view future webinars by the Middle East Forum by going to meforum.org and signing up there. Uh, thank you very much, and I look forward to seeing you next time.